Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this session of Freedom Fridays, we're going to begin a series of studies on God, God the Father. And then after we talk about that, we'll have a few others, and then we'll come back to the other uh, members of the Godhead. But we're going to start this out with God the Father. So we've talked about the Bible. We've talked about the importance of the Word of God. We've talked about the nature of the Word of God, the inerrancy of the Word of God, etc. And as we think about, okay, we've, we've learned all of that, now what about God? And when we think about God, the first instance of God in the Bible is, is uh, God the Father. And so we're going to take a look at God the Father. And just in general, what about the existence of God. Today, that's what we're going to discuss, the existence of God. How do we know that God exists? How do we see that God exists? Um, first of all, the existence of God is evidenced in biblical statements. Now, the important word there is it's evidenced. It's not the existence of God is merely revealed in scriptures. It is not defined by the scriptures. So, the existence of God is shown in here. It's revealed in here that God does exist, and some of his attributes and, and some of his characteristics and such. But this is not exhaustive about who God is, and this is not the author of who God is. God did not come into existence because the scriptures came in, into existence. God sent us uh, through his word information about who he is. Uh, it's not Again, it's not exhaustive, but he is revealed through the Bible. And so let's find some of the places where he is revealed through the Bible. And these, these um, references here are only a, a small sampling. They're not exhaustive in any stretch of the imagination. So the very first place that we find that God exists in is in the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, if God created the heavens and the earth, then God must exist. You can't have something created by someone who doesn't exist. That just doesn't work. Job 11 is another a good instance of that God exists. Job chapter 11. Job's um, here, um, actually, uh, Zophar is speaking to Job. And he says, Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. So here, they're, they're saying, God is so big, how could we ever understand him? So as we start this, this study of who God is, understand that this is just going to scratch the surface. Because God is so broad, he's so vast, he's so powerful, he's so magnificent, he is so everything that it's impossible for our finite minds to grasp and understand completely an infinite God. 
because we see things in starts and ends. We see things in the bounds of what we can understand. And God is way beyond that. And so um, God uh, cannot be put into a box or completely put into a book for that matter. Job chapter 36. Here Elihu is, is speaking to Job. Chapter 36, verse 26. He says, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. Again, God is way bigger than we can understand. And we can't even have any idea of his years because we can't grasp the concept of eternity past to eternity future. We can't, we can't even understand that. I, I wrap, tried to wrap my mind around it one time, and uh, I can understand the concept of never-ending some people have a struggle with that. I don't, I don't struggle with that as much, but I cannot understand how something could never begin. That's because everything around me has a beginning. And so I am constrained by what I see. I'm constrained by what I, what I know. And so I can't understand that. And that doesn't mean that God isn't that way. And it doesn't mean that God is, uh, doesn't exist. It means my mind is finite, and I just can't understand that. Job 37.5, God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Sorry, I'm flipping back and forth here trying to get it. Psalm 77. At least that way you know that this is not... Uh, Rehearsed, right? Psalm 77, starting in verse 11 through 19. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your mighty, your might among the peoples. You're, you, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of D Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. See, even in the creation, the creation is amazed by God because God is greater than the creation. And that is, has to be with any creator. If you create a paper airplane or something major like a, a spaceship, you cannot create something that is greater than you. You cannot create an intellect that is greater than your intellect because you're limited by your abilities and constrained by your intellect. So you cannot create something that's greater than you. And uh, the, the creation is 
is even amazed by God, and um, it obeys his voice. Remember back when Jesus was walking on the water, and he came into the boat, and the sea stopped, because he didn't want it to continue. Um, remember when he was in the boat another time, and they woke him up in the back of the boat, said, Master, don't you care that we're going to perish? And he said, Peace be still, and the sea stopped. Um, the creation is subject to his command. Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verse 5. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. Psalm 97, verse 2. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Psalm 145, kind of rushing through these for you, um, but again, this is not even an exhaustive list, although there are quite a few here. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Again, the same concept, that his greatness is unsearchable. Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. So God can make things that you can't understand. Whereas we try and search things out, scientists try and search things out, um, we still are finding things out that God created. We will continue to find things out until the end of this earth. Um, because God's creation and his vastness is just unsearchable. And so we will never exhaust that. Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah gets a peek into the throne room of God. In the year that King, King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Again, revealing more about God, that he is not only unsearchable, but he's holy. And that the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And then in verse 28. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known... Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heaven, uh, the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So there we understand um, from Isaiah here that God is everlasting. He's the creator. Um, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. Um, his understanding is unsearchable. So not only are his ways unsearchable, but his understanding is unsearchable. Jeremiah chapter 10. Uh, 
Again, we're not going into the characteristics completely of God. We're just giving you an overview here this, this afternoon. But the Lord is the true God. Chapter 10, verse 10. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus shall you say to them, The gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings forth the wind from storehouses. So this continues on to talk about how great he is, but we see here again that God is the creator. He's the living God. He's everlasting again. He's the king. Um, so we see a lot of characteristics about God. Matthew 11, going to the New Testament now. Matthew chapter 11. And there's, there's plenty others in the Old Testament, but we don't have forever. To read through the whole Bible, because that's basically what we would be doing. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So, now we know Jesus knows the Father. He's revealed by the Bible, and he's revealed by the Son of God. John chapter 1, the very first verse of the book of John, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we know God was in the beginning. The Word here referring to Jesus was in the beginning. We see the deity of Christ here, and um, we find out that that is a characteristic of God. That's a revealing of who God is. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 11. This is the last verse we're going to talk about um, in this section here. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So here it talks about, you know, gives us more information about who God is, that he's got all wisdom and knowledge. He's unsearchable. His judgments are inscrutable. Um, that he's way smarter than us. And everything is created from him, for him, and through him. And to him should be glory and honor. So the existence of God is evidenced in biblical statements. But the existence of God is also evidenced in philosophy. So the abilities in our minds to reason also proves the existence of God. There is a number of arguments that are called different uh, types of arguments. We're going to go through some of those. Uh, first of all is the ontological argument. The ontological argument states this, 
that God exists because man universally believes that he exists. No, we didn't create him, and it's not because we think he exists that he exists, but man universally has an innate knowledge that there is a God. And so you see it all around the globe. And that doesn't mean there aren't atheists. It means the vast majority of humans believe in a deity. So that is evidence that there is a deity. Um, not everybody is stupid. The second one is the cosmological argument. So the cosmos. The cosmological argument states that since the universe exists, there must be a God. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. Where would it come from? And that gets us to the next one, but um, they're, very, they're very linked. But the cosmological argument says because the universe exists, there must be a God. You say, well, what about the Big Bang? Okay, where did the Big Bang come from? Where did the primordial ooze that, it, that, that created the Big Bang or whatever it was that created the Big Bang, where did that come from? You can keep going back as far as you want. And I'm going to keep asking you, but where did that come from? See, you can't do it. You can't go back into all of a sudden something just spontaneously coming into existence. Things don't happen that way. They never have and they never will. So the fact that we have a universe shows us there must be a God. The third argument that we're going to talk about is the teleological argument. The teleological argument states that since there is design in nature, there must be a God who designed it. Sometimes you hear it called intelligent design now. Um, and God is intelligent, so I guess I don't have a problem with that, other than some people term it intelligent design because they don't want to acknowledge that it's God designed. But when you see the intricacies of nature, you see the intricacies of a flower, you see the intricacies of the human eye, you see the intricacies of, of the bodies of animals, you see the intricacies of plants, you see the intricacies of the universe. Just in general, you see everything has design. Everything is order. Everything works together. It's not chaos. It's, it's timed. It's ordered. A year is a year, every year. It doesn't change. And so um, we see that there's order and there's design in nature. And because there's order in the design, there must be a creator. There must be a God who created it. And the fourth and final argument that we're going to talk about today is the anthropological arg argument. The anthropology is the study of humans and uh, man. So the anthropological argument states that since man is a complex, not, ju not just physically, but complex intelligent being, there must also exist a God that is complex and intelligent from, from which man came. Again, we can't come from nothing, but the fact that we have intellect and the fact that we have um, insight and thoughts proves that there must be a God with a higher intellect and a higher complexity to create us. As we talked about, you can't get complexity out of nothing. You can't get complexity out of simplicity. It, it only goes the other way around. 
And so there must be a God who's ultimately more complex than we are to create us. So next week, we're going to take a look at some of the names of God and the significances of those. And so have a great week. And next time, we'll see you on Freedom Fridays. Thank you.